Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Diaries Security Consultant, show where we talk all things security industry. Uh, this week, uh, following on from last week, similar format, we're going to do this, use this uh, Zoom presentation again, uh, where I'm going to put some slides up and it's for, uh, uh, I suppose, an up and coming topic, uh, which we're going to see more and more over the last couple of weeks, or next couple of weeks, sorry, or months probably, uh, which is um, temperature checks and thermal imaging checks, which seems to be part of the new role of security in a lot of businesses. Um, so I've been looking at this from a couple of points of view. Firstly, I've been working on a number of businesses on this, um, on their business continuity or back to work plans. And these checks or scans are forming a, a very important part of those plans. Um, <clears throat> so I've been kind of integrating those with the security systems that they have in place. And then as well as that, we've probably had about eight to 10 questions coming in uh, to the page and to the website. Uh, in relation to them, in relation to training, do they have to be trained? Do you have to be a qualified doctor or medically trained to do them? How they work? What am I supposed to do if somebody reacts? Um, things like that. Uh, I do think they're being slightly overhyped out there in the media, particularly by the companies that are providing them. I've seen a lot over the last couple of weeks of uh, CCTV manufacturers and technology manufacturers putting these out here as though artificial intelligence algorithms uh, will solve all of your problems. You put these x amount of thousands of euros investment in you put them in and that solves your problem we'll take a temperature check we'll identify anyone who potentially has it there's lots of problems with that approach we'll talk about but i'm not against them they can be a very very good and valid uh, tool i suppose um in the next couple of months i suppose battle or fight um against the covid 19 Virus. So that's what I want to talk about for the next couple of minutes. Uh, I don't know how long this is going to go, probably shorter than last week's one, which was Ace Going, which has so far been our most watched video on the channel. Uh, it's been very well received, so I so said we'd stick with this with this format. So the first thing that I wanted to uh, talk about was, again, like I said last week with Ace Going, screening, testing, temperature reading is a tool, not a solution. It doesn't provide a solution to your problem. It provides you with a tool that enables you to solve your problem. The problem solving still has to happen by the person, the human being on the, on the ground. This is just one more tool that you can add to the arsenal that supports that problem solving or that overall security or safety. Um, what I've seen in the last couple of weeks, I suppose, is a lot of companies, uh, manufacturers providing it as a tool. And essentially what that is for me is what's called a solution first approach, which I think never works. So with a solution first approach, what happens is, Somebody comes up with a solution and tries to merge the solution with the problem. So we have this terminal imaging thing. We want to find a use for it, or we have this artificial intelligence or algorithm. And then we have this problem, and we immediately try to overlay the solution on the problem and make the problem fit the solution. When in reality, what, what should happen um, is a risk-based approach. So it's a problem-solving approach. So what you're essentially looking to do is that you identify what your problem is, and you synergize the solution with the problem as part of a total fit. So essentially what we're not looking to do is have a solution and try to force it upon the problem. We're trying to look at our problem and come up with a variety of solutions that would build around it um, in order to make a, a total solution to the problem. Now, that's probably a bit of a fallacy in itself in that there is not going to be a total solution to this problem. Like with any risk, we can make a workplace reasonably safe from this virus or the illness that's associated with it. We cannot make it safe. This 
the what, what we're seeing over the last couple of weeks or months, I think, is, is a shocking amount of security theatre. We're going to bring these things in. It's going to make people feel warm and fuzzy, but its actual use in the workplace is going to be quite limited. Uh, what we're looking to do is an actual risk-based approach to this issue, which will provide control measures based on the actual risks and reduce those risks to a manageable level. And that's essentially all we're going to get to for the next for the next while, is reducing them to a level that we're happy with and that we can manage over a prolonged period of time. Because I, I don't see this, from all the, the intelligence and the data that I'm seeing, I don't see this issue going away over the next couple of weeks or months. It is going to have to be managed in the medium term. Um, thermal uh, scanning and temperature readings are certainly a part of that, but they're not their overall solution. Another area that I'd like to look at when we're building a security solution is that we don't build a solution before we assess the problem. So essentially, we have a problem, we're going to risk assess that problem and see what are the correct control measures for the problem that we have. Now, that is very much context-based. The control measures that will be brought in have to be based within the context of the organization, the security culture of the organization, uh, the resources of the organization, um, and how safe or unsafe the organization is as a whole. You know? Temperature screening or scanning is not going to change that. If you have people standing all together and gathering in small groups inside, no proper hygiene, no social distancing, no sanitizing inside, all the temperature screening in the world is not going to help you. Um, so we start off with our problem, we risk assess our problem. As I say, we've got a number of risks associated with this illness uh, and we'll detail those and then we'll put in place control measures. Now, some of those control measures may be terminal scanning. It may be artificial intelligence algorithms. Uh, it may be scanning pedestals or it may simply be temperature checks or it may be none of the above. It may be just enforcing social distancing. Um, but once we have those control measures built, then we start building our SOP. And these pieces of technology, while they are fantastic, the technology itself is unbelievable. What it can do, read it to 0.1 of a degree of body temperature. They are nothing without the operating procedures for the people built around them. Um, I was working with a hotel when this all started, and they were after investing heavily in this, in this technology. Um, I said, it's fine, you've put these cameras in, but one, who's monitoring them? And two, what do you want them to do if there's an activation? And they hadn't thought of that. They just put the cameras in. It's given peace of mind to the customers. They put a sign up that said, this terminal image is taking your temperature. But aside from that, it's, it's security teaser. There's nothing to, to go along with it. Next thing to look at then is the equipment. Uh, the equipment, is it bought and procured to standard? Is it good equipment or is it faulty equipment? How do we calibrate that equipment? How do we maintain that equipment? Because this is not going away in a week, like we said. Providing your staff, whether it be security or others, with the correct training for that equipment and training for what you want them to do should something happen. And then obviously the pros and cons of actually measuring and managing the metrics that you have associated with that equipment. There is no point in saying we have this fantastic equipment giving us all this data if we're not going to do anything with the, with the data. So we'll take a look at, at each of those, I suppose, um, in turn. So the way is the, the problem that a lot of businesses are going to have is that when we open up even slightly again, the, the illness, uh, the virus and its associated illness, sorry, um, is going to be in the community to a certain extent. Whether that's small or large will depend a lot on how the restrictions are lifted, how quickly and how people in society behave. But the idea, I suppose, with these checks or security checks is to stop the transmission of the virus within your client's premises and within your own workforce and your client's workforce. 
if it's in community, if it's in society, we can't do a lot about that, but we can control what comes into our premises, and that's the initial problem. So some of the, the other stuff around that that we should be looking at, I suppose, is continuing to reduce non-essential people coming into uh, employment areas, uh, signage, sanitation, PPE, and enforcing social distancing rules, I suppose, and then supplementing that with the technology that we have uh, available to us. So some of the risks that are generated once it starts to open up even a little bit again, well, you've got employees coming back who may be asymptomatic and not showing symptoms, may be symptomatic and not aware of what they have, or may have had the illness passed through them, but it's not completely gone. So you may have employee-to-employee transmission that you're looking to reduce. Now, that can only be done by social distancing, but by helping, I suppose, to identify those employees early at the entry point, I suppose, there's an advantage in the, in the screening and the temperature checking. A limited advantage. There are drawbacks as well. So it's, uh, I was having a discussion the other day with somebody who thought, well, it, one, if somebody has a high temperature, the chances are they already have other symptoms as well, so they're going to be reporting as ill. Two, if somebody is asymptomatic, they won't have a temperature anyway. And three, if a person is symptomatic, but wants to go to work anyway, then they're going to take something like paracetamol or aspirin or something like that, ibuprofen, which is going to reduce that temperature anyway. So, you know, so it's not infallible, but it's certainly a, a control measure. Uh, the next issue we have for security providers, I suppose, is that you may have employees transmitting to security staff. So we have to look at the control measures. If you get one employee who comes in ill and transmits to a security staff member through equipment or through lack of social distancing, whatever the case may be, then that in turn security staff member could then start to transmit it among the security team and then all the other people uh, at the meeting. Because bear in mind, that employee may go to a specific department, maybe working on their own from the day, but the security who's at the access control point are going to be meeting numerous people. Uh, the other area of that then is for security providers to be aware of well, what happens if one of your security employees contracts this illness. Again, they may be asymptomatic or they may have a fear of announcing their symptoms to you for fear of losing out on money or payment or whatever the case might be. So we have to be very strong in our screening of our own security staff and have protocols in place for the security staff because, again, they are very, very high risk when this comes to uh, one for uh, taking in the transmission but also for transmitting the illness as well. Uh, we have to consider actions for third parties, contractors, deliveries, agency staff, things like that. And then actions for what happens if we have a report of an ill person either at work or potentially coming to work. And what is the expectation on the security staff? What are your policies and procedures? And what are your contractual arrangements around you know, sending staff home or isolating staff? Or what's your advice to the, to the staff? Um, so some of the potential control measures, I said, the temperature screening and temperature checks, and they're two different things, um, only work as far as an overall kind of holistic uh, set of control measures. They don't work on their own. Uh, temperature screening is of no benefit to anybody because you may be asymptomatic, and if you're not, you not even have a temperature, and if there's no social distancing being enforced and hygiene being enforced in the workplace, then the illness is going to spread in the workplace. So I suppose the primary one is social distancing. That's both in the workplace, but also between security staff at the access control point and between the security staff member and the person being screened at the access control point is another important one to, to bear in mind. Um, the temperature screening, and I suppose the advantage of temperature screening over temperature checks, now when I say temperature screening here, I'm talking about screening carried out remotely via CCTV or via the uh, pedestal tablets on the pedestal type thing that we'll look at in a second. 
which can be done with enforced social distancing uh, or greater social distancing. And then temperature checks, which is your handheld thermometer, which is more challenging to maintain social distancing, not impossible, but more challenging. And then around that, providing your employees, your security staff members with uh, the training on how the equipment works, what if there's a problem with the equipment, what if there's an alert or an activation, what if a person shows up symptomatic, um, what if the equipment uh, malfunctions and stops working, uh, and all of those uh, measures and what they're supposed to do. The final stage is then is your, your PPE, providing the correct PPE there for um, both the employees coming in if they're required to wear it, and the correct sanitizing, sanitization, hand washing facilities, and then also for your security staff. And measuring the PPE requirements to the risk. What we don't want to see is these gung-ho types that are in the security industry still sporadically spread around. They'll be the guys who carry utility belts and combat boots on a daily basis while working in a corporate or retail environment starting to show up to work with gas masks and respirators on when it is absolutely not required. There may be cases where masks are, are required, not in every case. Masks are a requirement where you cannot maintain social distancing. The priority should be eliminate and isolate the risk with social distancing, not control the risk with PPE. And then the final one then is uh, a refusal of entry. What is your policy for your security staff around refusing entry to people who present either symptomatic or showing the high temperature what do you want security staff to do do they have the authority to refuse entry to those people is there a contractual basis to refuse entry and what advice or instruction should be given to the person who's being refused entry uh, and we have to put a lot of consideration that some will be okay call their manager down but now we're bringing an, a third person into this environment where there's a potential in this so is it you know, do security have the authority to send people home, to send them to a room where they can communicate with, to tell them to pick up the phone and call a manager or whatever the, the, the case might be. But it should be spelled out for your security because what will tend to happen is security acting on their own initiative will start to um, take a security mindset to it. And that may not be what the client wants. And it could also result in some issues between the client and the security provider. And the security individual, the operative, will end up getting hung out to dry because they acted on what they thought was the best interest, but it wasn't what the manager or the client wanted. So it has to be spelled out for them, otherwise it's not very fair on them. Uh, some of the potential tools that you'd see, and apologies to those people who are going to be listening to this on, on podcast, but the four main ones that I've come across is the thermal imaging CCTV which is CCTV and uh, one of the, I suppose, predominantly marketed ones I've seen in the last couple of days has been the Hikvision systems and they reckon that their algorithm can pick out facial recognition and it can measure temperature to within 0.1 of a degree and stuff like that. Uh, has its uses, uh, it's remote, it allows social distancing, it allows uh, you to use say, physical access control barriers like a door and still maintain control from the far side of the door. Um, other ones I've seen so far have been the tablet-based system, so where the, the camera on the tablet, uh, like an iPad or whatever the case might be, a tablet's left on a pedestal. Again, it reads body temperature and the algorithms are able to, to pick it up. Um, handheld thermal scanners, similar to what we would have seen, I suppose, with customs and stuff using a vehicle for body temperature within uh, trailers or containers and stuff like that. I've seen those being advertised. And then uh, finally, then is the old-fashioned what you would have used on your on your kid for an kid or something like that. You know, um, non-contact uh, thermometers, which you know you get quite close to the person and it reads a, a temperature reading from that that person. 
all have their uses, all have varying degree of uses, but again, just to be treated as, as tools, they're not a solution on their own. A camera cannot refuse access to a person. A, 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 a pedestal cannot you know, give instruction or, or clarity to a person. They're only good as the person operating the tool. It's a tool, not a solution, as I go back to from the very, very start. Um, some of the stuff then around, okay, we've decided, well, this is the piece of equipment that we have the resource and the context to be given by the client. So now we have to look at, well, okay, we have to build the procedure around it. And I suppose the ethos of any procedure should be to maintain that social distancing uh, at all, uh, at all when it's possible, I suppose. You know? So whether we're using the CCTV to enable us to do social distancing or we're down to something like uh, using the handheld temperature scanner, in which case we would encourage a system self-scanning. Uh, so essentially, the scanner will be left on the table where the person is. They scan and they turn around and show the, the security operator the temperature on it. Uh, and the security operator makes a, a note of that temperature, whatever the, uh, the case might be, or approves the entry. Um, so the SOP should address, well, what do you want people to do? Generally, uh, I'd be looking at a tiered uh, SOP if you've got both a number of things in. So you're maintaining your social distancing. You're taking a pedestal or a CCTV read. Uh, and in general circumstances, that person will be granted access once they go through the access control point. Uh, there's no alarm, there's no alert. If a person does alert, then we go to a secondary reading from a self-scanning, like a, a handheld device. They self-scan, they show you. If there's still an issue, then you go into our response to issue protocol. So it's, please wait over here. Uh, we're going to contact your manager or we have this, here's this advice leaflet on the table. Take that, go home and contact your manager. Um, and then I suppose finally to, to supply the correct PPE at the point where security staff are. So having a good supply of gloves, make sure you use hand sanitizer, make sure that you have adequate staff so that your staff can on a regular basis go and use hand hygiene, wash your hands. There's no point in having that one person there for eight hours changing gloves, changing gloves, because you are going to have a cross-contamination over time. There needs to be time where it's not sanitizing. It's, it's actually physically going, washing hands and coming back. So there needs to be that level of support where somebody can step in to let that other person go out. If there's not, I'd seriously be discussing with your, with your client how you can provide a safe service because you're putting your security staff at risk uh, in a case like that, in my opinion. Um, security staff themselves then on top of self-care one of the highest risks in buildings is going to be the security staff because they are meeting the most people at the entry point where there's the highest amount of risk we're meeting visitors, we're meeting third parties delivery drivers, agency staff employees plus other security staff members so security providers are going to have to have a regime of temperature screening at the beginning of every shift for the security staff and having an SOP in place if there is an alert so it's going to mean security companies, I suppose, having a contingency, a very big contingency or a much advanced contingency, more than what we see nowadays quite commonly, um, for uh, cover staff because you have to have an SOP, in my opinion, in place for, well, what if I attend work at 8 o'clock and I have a high temperature and there's nobody to cover me? Do I have to continue to work with a high temperature or do I leave that position and leave the position done mad? So you're going to have to have a contingency plan in place for your security staff to present to work and they have a high temperature. You're also going to have to have absence management plans for security staff. You cannot have, in my opinion, a position where a security staff member is in fear of losing out on money or wages should they report an illness. So you have to have and you have to communicate that to your staff that this contingency is in place. Otherwise, what you're going to have is security staff hiding illnesses and it's going to transmit out there into the workplace again. 
and potentially cost you a contract or worse again, potentially cost somebody their life or their health. So you have to have that contingency, in my opinion, in there for your security staff. What do my staff do if they have a temperature? What if they feel ill? How did they ring in sick? How do I deploy my cover? And have a regime in place for temperature screening probably two to three times a day for your security staff. Uh, in addition to having hygiene facilities. So I would probably try to tie in your um, your hygiene systems with your screening. So have a protocol in place where every two to three hours or every three hours or four hours or whatever length of shift is that your security staff are going, they're practicing hand hygiene, they're taking a temperature screening and they're coming back. Now that's practicing hand hygiene as in washing hands correctly. I would be saying at least every 20 to 30 minutes they should be using the hand sanitizer on site. And then PPE, proper use of disposable PPE, getting rid of it correctly um, and having a proper stock there. Sometimes you'll be able to rely on the client to do that. Other times you, you won't be able to rely on the client to do it. Uh, so the provider themselves will have to do it. Uh, the final thing I'd like to talk about here, I suppose, is what are you going to do with the data that you have? There is a huge issue here around the data protection here. Because a lot of, I won't say a lot, but some that's come to my attention the last while, they've had clients, employees coming in, and they're asking the employee their name, asking the employee to scan. They're taking down a temperature reading uh, for the employee. The next day that employee comes back, they are then taking another temperature reading against that employee's name, and they're gathering that data. Medic, that is medical data, body temperature, medical data. Yeah? Sensitive personal information. How you store and secure that is absolutely essential. If you choose not to store and secure it, it's effectively worthless. There is no point in having built up a database, uh, I suppose, of, of information that you can track and trace over, over a period of time where you might start to see rises in body temperature um, starting to happen over a prolonged period of time, which means that the illness might be starting to um, I suppose grow and, and become symptomatic in a workplace uh, so if you don't you're potentially losing out on a control measure or an identifying pattern which you can use to manage at an early stage i.e get proper medical advice you know if you do you have to be very very aware of the security of that data what you were doing with that data how you're storing it the information you're giving to people how long you're keeping it for and how you're going to destroy it that is very very important that is just the written data there that i've been referring to in relation to the um, temperature checks. If you are installing a new software processing system, whether it is thermal imaging or a thermal imaging CCTV camera or a tablet, it doesn't matter. You are processing personal information and any new process under data protection law requires a data privacy impact assessment to show how you're going to impact on that person's privacy or people's privacy, how you're going to control it and the operational measures that you're going to take place. That should be carried out by a competent person, documented, and potentially, depending on your company or organization, run by uh, or, or cleared by the Data Protection Commissioner. That is vitally important for a couple of reasons. One, if an employee looks for it. Two, if there's an incident. Or three, or disaster scenario, if there's a breach and you lose the sensitive medical data of a vast majority of your employees. So by all means, gather metrics and manage. The automatic systems will do that themselves, but you have to be aware of the risks, the rights, and the responsibilities that go on all those. Um, and I suppose that's the, the meat and bones of what I wanted to uh, talk about on this week's show. So it is a growing issue. It has been growing for a 
post the last couple of weeks, but it's only going to get worse as businesses, not worse, but it's going to get more complex as businesses now try to open up. And I'm working with a number of companies at the minute to try to bring together a, a steady risk assessed plan for them to start getting back to, to business and in a socially distanced uh, way. Uh, but when you're bringing into bear these plans, one of the things you have to bear in mind is that this is not going to be a two or three day thing or a one or a two week thing. You have to introduce plans and protocols that are going to work in the medium term. I'm talking three, six, nine, 12 months down the line. So this has to be sustainable in terms of investment, context and resource. Um, and that works both ways. There's no point in saying, look, I'm going to throw all this money at security for two weeks and hopefully it's, it works if that's not sustainable. But also there's no point in saying, I'm going to try to do this on the cheap because it, you know, it's easier, it's, it's quicker for me to buy a handheld thermal uh, thermometer now uh, and use that for a period of time when it might save you in the long run investing in one of these tablets. And the time that you spend now investing in SOPs and training will come to bear in lack of incidents, in managing incidents, complaints and issues over the, over the next couple of months, I suppose. So that's all for me for next week, or for this week. Uh, next week, we're going to do another one. It's a follow-on to last week's one, uh, which was on ASCOM, but next week's is going to be on the actual process of detaining uh, a suspected thief outside the door of a retail venue. And the week after that is going to be um, a reasonable force uh, video series. Look out for, this video is going out Tuesday of this week, I suppose. Uh, should be out Tuesday. Uh, and we'll have an article out on Thursday as well on um, the name of the article that is uh, the minimum is not the standard on operational standards in the security industry and why minimum standards are not operational standards. Until then, as always, feedback is, is appreciated. Comments, criticisms, whatever it might be, you can reach out to us on any of our contact pages. Uh, but until next week, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you all next week.